Also, there is trivia this week. Don't worry. Oh, no bill to assist, though. That should be interesting. And I need you. And I miss you. Um, <laughs> let's go. going on everyone it is your boys from melbourne and we are back for yet another lockdown quarantine edition of the official nba beancast melbourne is still under lockdown god knows how long it's going to continue oh, hopefully we'll now. be we're, we're, yeah, we're well ho- hopefully hopefully we'll be out of it soon i think we've done more rec- way more special editions at this point than we have normal editions um, right uh, yeah yeah the numbers are <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be way more now <laughs> we we should we should call the in-person edition special edition yeah yeah it's, uh, it's always a special time a... When I get to have you uh, hang out with you guys yeah exactly <laughs> anytime's a special time especially when we're like we're not able to meet each other and yeah, stuff like that yeah um yeah there's been a li- obviously been a little bit happening in the nba with the finals um coaching movements a little bit of a little bit of discussion for the next season and um yeah hopefully this will be a good one unfortunately our third banana william was not able to make it this week because he had an assignment well, um, like five but yeah <laughs> ho- ho- hopefully he will finish uni and be able to podcast full-time oh after this is over um all right so Praddy, what do we got lined up today uh well we've got a bit of trivia as always we've got some news some firings and some hirings and then some uh well comments by Kyrie, which are always worth talking about yeah of course always <laughs> always. Uh, always brother we've got the uh eastern conference finals to talk about and then to finish off the um finals how they're going right now um and a pair of discussion talks which i think will be interesting um finish with weekly malnourishment but to get us started Kaz, can you name for me the top five in 20-point games for players off the bench? The, the, the number one... Players off the bench. This season? Uh, no, all time. All time. Ooh. Uh, number one is, like... Lou Williams. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah. Uh, second, um, second best is... Uh, well, until recently was the leader in four-point plays. Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford. I'm, I, I, was, I haven't checked whether he's been overtaken yet, but I kind of assume it with how Harden has been shooting. Um, yeah, of course. Um, Jarrett, Jack, or Corey Maggette? Neither. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, because I, I know those guys are bench spark plugs. Um, yeah, no, since you've got number one and number two, we'll go with number three here. This guy, his his nickname, I just have to read it. Big Paper Daddy. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. He played with the Detroit Pistons, uh, mm-hmm. the Milwaukee Bucks, the... Um, the San Diego, the San Diego Clippers. Uh, he played with Indiana, the Warriors at some point, Seattle Supersonics. Uh, went back to the, the Milwaukee Bucks for his last season. Um, yeah, he's been all around a fair bit. Played is this um, like a, from 1982 till 1998. Is this like a super rich dude? Super rich? I can't say that really. Averaged fourteen. Po- I, I I don't know about how uh, how his money situation is, but he averaged fourteen point nine points for his career. Uh, no, because I assume by because Rick Rich, big paper uh, daddy, big paper daddy. You you assume that, yeah, that that's yeah. a that's a dude made with some bank. big pockets. He'd made bank. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, because I was wondering if it was one of those NBA guys that ended up becoming um super successful entrepreneurs or something like that. <laughs> uh, let's um... see if I can. Uh, 
Wait, hold on. He played for Seattle, right? Yes, he. But it, I think he played the most years for Milwaukee. Played the most years. So is he like a Milwaukee icon? Don't know if they would call him an icon, but uh, also I don't know much about this guy, and I don't know much about oh. the Milwaukee Bucks either. So this guy is Ricky Pierce. Oh yeah, Ricky Pierce. Yeah. Um. All right. Number, oh, yeah. number four. Good player. Number four. Yep. Uh, play. This is even. This is going to be even harder. Now, in, from nineteen eighty one till nineteen ninety nine, um, this guy played small forward. Um, let's see. Played uh, again. These guys play for. Uh, just go all the way around. He played for, uh, the Kansas City Kings and the Sacramento uh, Sacramento Kings while they, when they changed. He played for uh Phoenix. He played for Seattle. He played for the. Sh- I think that's the Charlotte Hornets, and he also took a year out of the NBA, uh, to go play in Greece before returning and then playing for Indiana and finishing his career in Houston. Average. What is it like, Michael Red or something? No, uh, he averaged. Michael Red was way too recent, man. Yeah, true. <laughs> this guy, nineteen eighty one uh... till nineteen nineteen ninety nine, my G. Um, played, uh, he, he averaged 16 points per game, four rebounds per game and two assists per game. Um, let's see, played, uh, yeah, small forward shooting guard is, he didn't really have any nicknames, but, uh, yeah, was the sixth man uh, of the what? year, sorry. What? No, sorry. Continue. Was sixth man of the year in 1988, 1999, uh, 1989, sorry. So uh, just in the middle of his career. So is he like a career bench operator? Uh, let's see. Um, not really. No, no. He uh, not the not the entirety of his career, but he switched to. So he started as a start. He started as a bench player in his rookie season. Played four three seasons as a starter, then switched mm-hmm. to the bench in his fifth year. Um, and and basically stayed there for the rest of his career. Is this Eddie Johnson? It is Eddie Johnson. There you go. Good stuff. Wow, that was solid. Yeah, I, I only remember this because there, like you mentioned, the six man in 1998, and there was a bit of obscure, like relatively obscure NBA trivia that I had recently, <laughs> where Eddie Johnson was the answer. So that <laughs> kind of just. Uh, all right, this last guy has two sons and one son-in-law in the NBA. Was a staple on the Charlotte Hornets, and in his career hit a total of, uh, I believe it was 1,000... Yeah, this is Del Curry, isn't it? Del Curry, there you go. Nice and easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty solid, Kaz. That was, that was really Del solid. Curry Senior. Yeah. <laughs> what else, are you, Senior? There you go. Um, but from there, yeah, we can jump right into news. I think the first one right off the, ba- right off the bat is uh, Doc Rivers was fired from the Clippers by, well, basically directly by Steve Ballmer and then hired... Almost within twenty four, almost within twenty four hours, by the Philadelphia seventy sixes. What do you reckon is like being fired by a dude like Steve Ballmer? Um, yeah, who I- could probably buy the entire NBA. If you <laughs> um, uh, I'm not joking. He, his net worth is greater than all of the teams combined. No, I'm not surprised. But I'm just wondering why Steve Ballmer decided to stick onto the Clippers when he could have just gone like, I'm going to buy this, like. You know, there's teams with better outlooks and there's teams that have yeah, better Yeah, the Clippers bonkers. are such a weird investment. Like, you've, <laughs> you've got the Lakers on... The, well, no. They're playing the same building. The, the Clippers are... And no one likes the Clippers yeah. in LA. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, to be there's fair, there's no fans there. He is also pl- working to move them, so good on him for that. Uh, um, wait, move but, them where? Uh, I can't remember. He was w- working on. Wait, uh, is it another to another building, or, or does he want to move the franchise to another city? I believe he was looking for a different building. Um, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You got to have your own stadium. Um, but I mean, look, the Doc Rivers has been on the cl- uh, a Clippers head, uh, the Clippers head coach for a fair while. All the way back in the Blake days, um, Lob City, he went through a whole lot with them. I think he is, uh, honestly, I think he's a fantastic player development coach. Um, because DeAndre Jordan was a defensive player of the year candidate under him. Um, Blake Griffin was one of the best players in the NBA under him. Um, the Clippers were, they got the first seed, yeah? They managed to get up to the first seed uh, in one of their years. Yeah, I think so. Um, and like he, the only issue I think with him is that once he has talent, once he's grown talent, and once he has talent, he can't. His offense is not creative enough to move past that. Agree. Um, but I I can't talk too badly about Doc Rivers because I, I at least as a head coach, again he he lifted the Clippers to a certain point, and you can't deny him that. Um, and also both, both that as, and as a human being, the man like was always speaking out so intelligently about everything. But I mean, on the topic of coaching for Philly, I think this is great. Um, but also they really scapegoated Brett Brown. Um, yeah, he wasn't the only reason they didn't. It's not that he wasn't that the only well. reason. It was that like that team was constructed to fail. They had one yep. season. They had one season where they had a perfect team constructed for for what they had. No, it was like an it was an odd fit, but it worked. It was an odd fit, but like they they were essentially um like tall ball. They were literally tall ball. Yeah. And like if that that was given one more season at least, then like that would have been perfect. Even if they didn't manage because Jimmy Butler has clearly has made it clear that there were other issues than uh, just um, money related to him leaving uh, Philly. Um, yeah. But if they at least retained J.J. Redick and, like, gotten instead of... And even, if, like, Josh Richardson, the acquisition was not an issue to me. Um, the issue to me was basically entirely bringing in Al Horford. Um, because, yeah. like... He's a player that, like, he's not supposed to be a three-point shooter. He's a, he's definitely a three-point threat, but he cannot be there for his three-point shooting. And that's yeah, what they were trying to do with him. You can't leave him at the three-point line and let him just spot up. You're you're wasting him, effectively. You are wasting him, but then I feel like they, they didn't really have any other opportunity because if he's down low, that's taking away space from Joel Embiid, who is... Exactly. Who he doesn't fit on that team. Yeah, so... I think the firing of Brett Brown was wrong, but also hiring Doc Rivers, I guess, hopefully he can uh, encourage Ben Simmons' development a bit better. Yeah. So with Doc, I think Doc is very good at setting the culture for teams. Mm. Uh, Well, actually, I wouldn't even say that because all his teams have been extremely unlikable and they've also all had, (laughs) as a Celtics fan, I say this, and they've also all had um, locker room issues. Like with Rondo and Ray and Blake and CP3 and PG, like 
I mean, you, you know can what? make the I... you can make the argument that um, it, it's just a part of having volatile players. But then I think if it's happening in, on pretty much every single team you coach, there's got to be something there as well. Like th- there, there has to be like an inability to manage egos or some the, the so- something's off. I feel like that's also who the players are, though. Like, I, I feel like there's a valid reason for nearly the for the chemistry issues almost everywhere he goes. I think the one situation where there was maybe, uh, you know, it's kind of like it's entirely on him. Actually, no, there were no. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it's entirely on him. No. I'm just saying that the, the these are examples of um situations that Doc probably didn't handle. Um, as well as he could have, because if it's been an issue on every single team, that means that there has to be something with his ability to manage egos. And this is a that, that's a key part of being a head coach in the NBA is being able to get everyone in the locker room on the same page. So um, I guess the yeah, I think it'll be interesting. That... I think I I think Doc Rivers, as you said before, um, is very good when the teams that he's coaching are not the probably the most talented because. He's he's very good at getting the most out of limited players. Yeah. Then Billy when Donovan it comes to having, uh, yeah, w- but when he has, when it comes to having a lot of high level talent, I, I feel like Doc's probably not the most. Um, because once you have talent, I feel savvy like savvy coach. Yeah. X's he, and O's wise. In in addition to the inability to manage egos, probably not inability, but demonstrated issues with locker room issues with his team, where he hasn't been able to settle the situation mm. um i think yeah that it i think he, he probably will be a good fit for the 76ers because they're a team where doc can come in and establish the kind of culture that he wants and it doesn't look like philly have any existing volatile personalities no, or like potentials it, for locker room issues do you I know what i mean like what was jo- really impressive was watch when uh we got to watch uh matisse Thibel's um little snippets inside the bubble like the the chemistry like the chemistry off the court from that team is really nice um yeah to see the way yeah. kylo quinn and tobias harris were taking leadership roles on that team being some of the vets on that team that was really impressive they have good yeah. natured players it's just how they can fit on the court which will be doc rivers's problem to work out from here yeah, because that is a very, very weirdly constructed roster, which is going to be really hard to maneuver out of because the players are on terrible contracts that not too many people are going to want to take on. Um, but yeah, I, I I think Doc Rivers is probably the right hire of those available coaches. I thought it was pretty interesting that pretty much the minute he got fired from the Clippers, he was on a plane to the 76ers. They probably <laughs> put in a call. Oh, no. But, um, like, every single decision in the NBA is like it's there's definitely a fair part of you know uh tampering involved in it <laughs> yeah there, there, there's there, there's there's some bs going on there but um yeah i i think that this is a good hire for the 76ers i think they probably will be a team to watch out for next season or if they can get some i hope that they can't but if they can get some shooters shooters around the team um find a way to flip some money and get out of that tobias harris and al horford contract yeah uh, yeah, well, they, they again, Tobias Harris, not a problem to me. Uh, I've said not this the, many times. Not the problem, no, but... he's not a problem Not ideal. He's, he, he's genuinely not a problem to me. He's um, taking up $34 million in cap space, man. That's a okay, problem. Look, he's I, on the court, he's not a problem. On the court, he is not a problem for the team. I think 
Al Horford, 100% a problem for the team. But yeah, Tobias he, is, Harris, he, he does not fit on that team. Tobias Harris is a versatile scorer who he can, he can post up to some extent. He can shoot from the outside if he re- remembers how to shoot from the outside. He's pretty good on the inside as well. He can do a bit of everything. Um, and obviously, he's, he's quite a leader for the team as well. Like Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, I don't see them leading the team, but like vocally at least. Tobias Harris was doing that for the team. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think he's anything of a problem. I think, again, and we've heard uh, rumblings about this as well, a lot of them since I kept on mentioning them. Buddy Heald, Al Horford, NBA, if you are listening to this podcast, you are welcome. Because I think I was the first one to suggest that. <laughs> you might have been. Honestly, you we, might we've have got been. to check the records, man. You, you were early. I think you said that in like, what, August? Bro, August? I, July? <laughs> it's, it's been a while. It has been a while. But, been... Um, yeah, that, that'll be a good acquisition for the 76ers if they can somehow swing it with the salaries. Al Horford for um, Rashawn Holmes and Buddy Heald. It, that, it they're gonna have to take on a ton of draft picks yeah as well. yeah yeah i mean but why not they're gonna have to that, offload a bunch of draft picks. this is a well. team that's looking Just... to compete why not um from there i think we can move on to uh a guy who's always got a lot to say kyrie irving um that's that's a good reaction he has unfortunately we are not recording video for this one but um he had a lot to say about uh both his well no kevin durant had more to say about his coach but Kyrie was talking about how he's never had a person who can create a shot like Kevin Durant on his own team. It's just disrespectful, man. Like you, you can sure love to your like your teammate, which I you know good on Kyrie for appreciating the talent that Kevin Durant is. But you don't need to shit on a guy who got you your only ring that you're ever gonna get. Not even, it is not even that. Like, you're disrespecting your current teammates who played with you in the previous season. You're disrespecting LeBron. You're disrespecting Kevin Love. Especially like, th- when Spencer just... Dinwiddie and Karis LeVette. Karis LeVette had, like, a 50 in the in the bubble, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. Like You're telling me that guy I mean, obviously these, the, obviously <laughs> these guys, barring LeBron, are, are not KD. But I feel like this is just unnecessary. Like, no one cared about... Look, they hired Steve Nash, and then if they just, like, this, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, if they just don't say anything, then it's completely fine. Like, they can just do the generic statement of, oh, we're really happy to have this new coach, looking forward to what he can do, done. I I don't think that LeBron necessarily said anything wrong, though. No, no, sorry, not LeBron. I don't think KD necessarily said anything wrong, though. I think it was more uh, like just Kyrie's taking unnecessary shots. Um, I think today at most the, the, there's been some comments by uh, KD which are a bit confusing. Um, he says, oh, what's he, first he's, of all, he's been I, talking today. Uh, no, at least these comments came out today. I don't know if he said this oh, today yeah. or if he was. Uh, he said, first of all, I didn't pick the Nets coach. We've got people in place that do that. I just supported it. <laughs> Me and Kyrie were always on the same page. He's just a hooper. It doesn't matter. Um, look, I get what he's trying to say. None of this story matters. But then why the hell did you guys make it a story in the first place? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look, why even put it out there? Uh, like, um, you guys made the story I, I, and then you're saying it doesn't matter. Like, if you, if, you yep. don't, if you don't want something to matter, then you're just basically asking people to tell you to shut up and dribble. 
Yeah, exactly. And then also Kyrie taking shots at LeBron's clutch scoring, right? Because Kyrie's saying, oh, I felt like I was the only one on all the teams that I've been on in the past where um, I, I had to take the last shot or I had to do all the scoring in the fourth or in the last few minutes of the game, right? So over their playoff careers, I saw the stat just recently, over their playoff careers, out of 66 field goals in the final two minutes to tie or take the lead, LeBron scored 30 on 45.5% field goal oh, field goal insane. percentage. That's ridiculous. And also, yeah. he's hit 9 of 19 three-pointers at 47.4% from the three-point line. This is to take the lead or tie in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter slash overtime over their playoff careers. Kyrie has taken seven shots. Hit has two. hit two of them, <laughs> and and he's hit one. One of them was the the three. The and that's three. it. Yeah. Um, look, it was the biggest shot, and probably one of the biggest shots in NBA history. But then, that's obviously once. not enough to say that. Wow, I'm so I was so much better than everyone else at getting my own sh- uh, clutch sh- uh, clutch shots on the teams that I've been on in the past. Like, again, no one cared. No one will care within a week, but it didn't need to be a topic. Exactly. Um, it's just unnecessary. Because this day, is Kyrie, though. At the end of the day, because this just comes back, they, they some of the guys in the locker room will see this, these comments, and then it creates more chemistry. Like you know, just locker room issues, which I'm fully expecting. Kyrie Irving will be the one to make a statement and say, uh, "Look, none of these things actually matter in our um, in our locker room. You yeah, guys are sure. just making for up sure. stories about us." <laughs> Yeah, it's the old it's, it's the old Bill Temby argument with one of our group chat members. <laughs> Look, <laughs> but um, I think we yeah, can... It, it, uh, it, it's just it, a whole it, lot it's, of non-story. It's just classic Kyrie. I, I'm telling you what, I reckon this team has got Cancun written all over them <laughs> for I, next season. You know what? I was actually really impressed with, the, with how this roster looks. And I, I want it to do well. Like, I want this team to be competitive because otherwise whoever gets to the finals is having a cakewalk. Yeah. Um, unless, you know, Jason, like I said, the improvement from Jason, Tatum unless, unless we make a step yeah. up or, um, the heat take another step up, something like that. I mean, or Toronto yeah. can find a lead scorer right now. Like at least this season, I feel like the East was solid for the East and not, and nothing more. Like, I think the East was better at the top than, as in, so yeah, the East within the top East East teams, they were competitive, and they were very yep. good against other t- East teams. But I don't think any of them really could have held a candle to the Western Conference teams, except yeah, maybe in the playoffs, the I guess. But then, like, w- w- th- there were also significant injuries to pretty much every single Eastern Conference team, yeah, except Miami and Boston. We we were missing Hayward for most yeah, of the playoffs. Yeah, true, true. Um, he got injured in the first yeah. game and then he came back and he was a shell of himself because I think he was still yeah, hurt. No, for sure. Like I, and we've talked about that many times, the fa- the weirdness around that injury. But again, I, that actually leads yeah, well. Yeah, he, he should not have been on the that court. Actually a, leads... a grade three ankle sprain, he, he should have been out <laughs> for the, the playoffs. That was, that was ridiculous. I can't believe that he came back. But... Actually, since we're already talking about it, yeah, do you want to talk about that uh, Boston versus Heat uh, Miami series? Yeah, I mean... At, at the end of the day, I kind of after after we went down two 0 I was like, I I don't think we're going to come back from here because Miami are just too disciplined. They're 
they're, they're just um they're the epitome of a really well coached team where the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts because th- they're not the most individually talented team and they don't destroy other teams with flat out just talent like um your usual finals teams can do Miami can't really do that but what they are is they're very well coached they can play any which way and they can they're incredibly versatile as well incredibly versatile they can go big they can go small they can hit threes they can score from the inside if they need to very good versatility was a massive part of it because for the first two games bam was unstoppable then i think boston made a change to try and deal with that and then they were like okay that's fine we'll just play from the outside now (laughs) yeah haywood coming back was um was actually pretty big for our defense because we had another big body on the court yeah because could help on who could help off the pick and roll trying to switch on bam because bam was killing us on the pick and roll yeah every, every time every single get, time i i, I don't know oh, how it was so annoying like times, it, kemba walker would get switched onto like jimmy butler or um bam and then they would just go at him and it's like i guess what can you do it would be good yeah because bam can put the ball on the floor as well yeah it would be really good and, for boston if at least kemba's offense had made up for his lack of defense yeah but he, I I gotta say it, man. He, struggled. he was bad. He he struggled. Um, the the thing is, the zone is really hard for smaller players to navigate because you you can't get your drive game going. Yeah. We we tried to establish more pistol action to get Kemba off the screen so that he could just go downhill. But again, because the Heat are playing the zone, or because they played so much zone, we even when you get to the room, there's three defenders there, and Kemba can't see the pass outwards. Mm. Um. And then another issue with that was what while after the second game we started attacking the middle of the zone a lot more, um, we we still didn't have a consistent scoring presence that could play in the pinch post. So like the middle, yeah, of yeah, 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 the the, the nail. Which so, I, we we talked about that as well. I mean, Daniel Tice yeah. in that third game, he hit all of the shots from there he needed to. Yeah, and that was key. But that was a fluke. <laughs> I feel like each one of those shots. Yeah, exactly. Like He's not going to do that all the time. Um, and he can't, he can't, I mean, you, you can't expect Daniel Tice to play make out of the high post. That's just not what he does. Um, but yeah, if, if we had a player like that, that would have been you know extremely would have been helpful. Really good for that. I can name one really good player for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we couldn't afford him. One, one Al Horford. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we couldn't afford him. Man. We, we couldn't pay him. Oh, um, darn shame. Wait, but he he had been on your team for a while. Couldn't you have just gone over the captain to resign him? I don't think we had his bird rights. Ah, fair enough. Um, well, we can. Uh... But yeah, I mean, at at the end of the day, Heat were a better team. We also another. This is not schematic, but it's more just um, our we we didn't have any composure towards the end of the games, which is a mm. bit annoying because we do actually have a lot of playoff experience, even though the team is young. We. What what tends to happen is towards the end of games, our offense kind of just falls apart. I I don't know I don't why we that, go away from what I, gets us I in good positions. I don't think yeah, that's sorry, go, go a, uh, a playoff experience thing. I think that it's it was a it was a, it was a consistent issue for the Celtics through the entire season. I felt like they yep. were horrible to watch in the clutch. Really, yeah, we we really were bad. not good. Uh, almost we, like we Toronto Raptors good. level back when they had Demar um because it genuinely felt like that like um the the no lead is safe toronto raptors back in the day would 
like have a really good offensive plan for the entire game. And even if that carried them on a bad offensive night to a, cl to a close game, they could have just kept doing that. But instead they go away from it and do a bunch of ISO and then lose the game. Yeah. Um, and I felt like that's exactly what happened with the Celtics, that what's happening with the Celtics right now. Um, and okay, this, this question should be shot down pretty quickly, but, uh, Brad Stevens is now, I think, negative in his, uh, playoff record. I believe he's 35 and 37. Um, do you think that, do you think that's anything of an issue or something to be concerned about? No, not really. Um, See, because if, if you have a look at the teams that Stevens was taking to the playoffs at the start yeah. of his career, they were terrible. Yeah. Making <laughs> the playoffs itself was the achievement. Yeah, making the playoffs was an accomplishment. <laughs> and then, like, I think it was from 2017 onwards where you could consistently say that Stevens should be winning or should be doing a lot with these rosters. And we performed well. Eastern Conference Finals in 2017, Eastern Conference Finals in 2018, when no one expected us to make the Eastern Conference Finals in 2018. We were supposed to be knocked out in the first round. People forget um we, we were playing the bucks we had no Kyrie, no gordon hayward they, they thought we were done but we managed to make it to the eastern conference finals i mean last year with Kyrie, i'm not going to speak on that <laughs> um, we were sabotaged a little bit um <laughs> and then this year again we've made the eastern conference finals i think that that there is something to be said for there that we, we we're missing something which we need to take us to the next level i think Part of it is a big man. Um, part of it is a big man that can do something on the floor, like to score and pass, which is a big thing. But um, I also think that, like, our late game offense is terrible. This is something that we can clearly improve. This has been an issue for several years now. And I think this there is room for improvement for Brad Stevens, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. But I don't think that we, we can, I don't think we should be looking to replace him. I don't think we can replace him. Mm, mm. I, I can't see anyone else that we could replace him with feasibly. I don't want Doc Rivers back. <laughs> I, I would much rather have Brad Stevens. All right. Uh, so then we can move on to what's going on right now. The finals. Uh, first of all, I just want to say, it felt so weird to think that, hold on, the NBA finals are going on. Like... In October. Yeah, not only that, but like... I, I felt... Okay, this might just be my bias. I don't care about the finals right now. I, I, that's probably very likely my bias as like the Warriors aren't there, but like it it doesn't even feel like it's something I should bother watching. I'm I'm more interested in um you know League of Legends World Championships going on right now. You know what's funny? This is exactly how NBA fans were feeling when the Warriors were running the league because it, it was basically except, predetermined who was going to win. Up. Except viewership was up then. It was still going up. In, in yeah, a but, season where mm, things should be up for, uh, you know, there should be questions about things, apparently. Viewership has been down. This year, there's no... I mean, th this year, now that we're in the finals, then there's no Bam or Goran Dragic. There's no question. This is over. Um, well, but even in game one, there was like... F I think the total view viewership was like 5.3 million, which is still down. Well, obviously, last year's finals were worth watching. I think part of it comes down to the fact that Miami is not, like... It's a big NBA market, but it's not like a big, big NBA market. It's not like Golden State or Boston or the Lakers. Okay, so the Lakers are playing the series. It's not, but it's not like one of those top, top tier fan franchises. Do you know what I mean? Are you saying the the Cleveland Cavaliers were? <laughs> yeah, but they had LeBron James. Yeah, they had LeBron James. What about the Toronto Raptors? <laughs> Beg your pardon. You reckon Toronto Raptors? Ra are Dude, a big that's market? a whole country. <laughs> 
Yes, people. Hockey is their biggest. People underestimate. Hockey is people underestimate Toronto, dude. Dude, Toronto. The the Raptors are actually a big market team. Okay. Okay. They get a lot of viewers around the playoff time because (laughs) they're one team for the whole country. That is severely underestimated. And okay, um, well, we we can talk about how the finals are going themselves right now. Then I think. Yes. Um, if we've, if we're talking about viewership, I mean, I think if LeBron was still on the heat, this would be a much more, um, viewed series, but since he's on the Lakers, they're playing the heat. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, um, Miami probably just won that. So what I was saying we were missing to attack the Miami zone is exactly what the Lakers have. So they have Anthony Davis. Who is a god in the mid range oh, of his playoffs yeah. for whatever reason? He he does not miss. I don't I don't um, enjoy praising Anthony Davis, but yeah, he has that. <laughs> he's there's there's so bunnies he, he's... that um Daniel Tice was missing in game four, I believe. Are those exact shots that Anthony Davis basically hits every single time? Yep, um, that that's what he's made a career out of. Um, but. <laughs> He can, he can also, his passing is somewhat underrated. I mean, he doesn't rack up a lot of assists, but he can pass out of a double team. Mm-hmm. So if they, they ask, or if he is crowded in the middle of the zone, he can just kick it out to KCP or Danny Green, who might break the shot. But well, that's I mean, the, at least yeah, he can get it out thing. there. That's the other thing. The Lakers role players have been really damn solid. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I feel like for the entire regular season and in the, even leading up to the playoffs, whether it was Bill or sometimes I got to say even myself, it didn't feel like the Lakers role players could step up. And yet KCP was, he, he hit the first three, his first three against the Miami heat. And from there, it felt like everything was just turning around for them in that game. Like from the 13 point deficit to the 20 point lead, his shooting has been I... great. His defense has been superb. Um, Danny green, Everyone memes about him. He's woeful to watch, and yet he's been shooting well. Um, it, I think what's been overestimated was how much people thought the Lakers' role players needed to yeah, step up yeah. when you've got AD and LeBron James. Um, and the fact Anthony that, Davis. Oh yeah, go ahead. Anthony Davis is an incredible security blanket because he's going to give you at least twenty-five and usually at least ten rebounds every single night. Uh, not on against really good the efficiency. Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, well. It, um, um but no. that that's because they were playing Dwight and Dwight was vacuuming mm. the boards. Um then you had um you've got LeBron who is LeBron and doing LeBron things. They are the two they're the best duo in the NBA and I think one when the role players score or when they're shooting better than 30% from three the Lakers don't lose. Yeah. So that that that's all they need to do. So as long as they shoot somewhat below league average from three point from three point land land, they're not gonna lose. That's that's pretty much exactly what's happened during the playoffs. Um and and they're elite defensive. Yeah, that's what I want I wanted to really point out is that like the the Lakers are and we we've seen the comments coming out from Frank Vergel as well, but their defense is and this is one thing I think I've been saying for the entire time, has been superb. I mean, it is incredible. Um, yeah. in, uh, when when someone gets on the inside, you have Anthony Davis or Dwight Howard there, and Anthony Davis is not shabby if he has to, I don't know, switch onto someone on the perimeter. Even he, he, no, he's amazing at yeah, it. Yeah, he covers up so much space and he moves fast enough for it, and then he runs you straight into Dwight Howard, who has had a massive career resurgence on the defensive end. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, Anthony Davis is probably the best pick and roll defender of all time. I I don't know if that's actually all that debatable as well, because he <laughs> doesn't not get exposed by the ball handler, because he he can at least stay in front of him, and then on the roll man, AD is AD. Um. Yeah. And I'm. It's really weird to see how supportive Lakers fans have become of Dwight given how they treated him when he had back surgery to uh during a like in a season and was playing badly then um there, there is some backstory to this so Dwight was apparently not the best locker room presence and he also refused to run the pick and roll with Steve Nash which is insane when you think about it, because Steve Nash is one of the greatest pick-and-roll point guards of all time. But Dwight would not want to be the role man, and he demanded post-touches. I think that really pissed Lakers fans off, but now that he's come around again this time, his I think his attitude's been a lot better. So do you reckon, And he's accepted his role in the team. Do you reckon if his value hadn't dipped so much, he wouldn't be as uh, humbled as he is right now? Yeah, I, I don't know, Cause actually, because he, he is in the latter latter stages of his career. So I think he's at the point where he just wants to win games. And win So wins, fair enough, obviously. but yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the we might have seen this resurgence somewhere else, but I think the Lakers culture is also underrated, where you've got guys like LeBron setting the tone for the rest of the locker room. Like, you, you, could, you could see it in the game's... Uh, the, you could even see it in the finals where LeBron basically told the team, stop celebrating, the job is not done, which is mm. something that you wouldn't see from the Clippers, for example. Yeah, I mean, he he, he doesn't, he does, he does celebrate his teammates on the court and off, uh, off the court, but he doesn't get carried away with anything, which is really, really no. cool to see. Um, and also, no, his focus is always on the next game, which is impressive. Yeah, and also his ability to, you know, uh, make sure that even his performance is account like he he has to account for his own mistakes on defense like he he has taken on the fact that he has probably not been a great defensive player for a few seasons and now he's saying nope i'm i'm you know if i make a mistake tell me about it yeah and he's you know that like anthony davis being a, as good a defensive player as he is has been so good for him i think because Anthony yep. Davis is someone who can actually speak up and say, no, that was you. You missed the switch. Don't deflect, which are the comments that we're seeing today. Um, again, it's, it's really good that LeBron James has a teammate of like Anthony Davis's caliber. So that there's actually back and forth between those two. Whereas I think even, even in the uh, Cleveland days when he had Kyrie, it was always just celebrate his offense and don't comment on his defense. For both of them, for yeah, both LeBron um, and, and, and you could, you, they didn't really have anyone who could tell them otherwise on the defensive end. Because yeah. LeBron was, I mean, not their best defender, but then he's their best player and they don't have a defender that's a good enough overall player to say, hey, LeBron, that's you. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Tristan Thompson not there yet. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean... Yeah. We all had expectations when he was drafted. The other thing that's uh, pretty interesting is that the Lakers are in a league that has entirely gone small ball with, you know, Miami's center even being, he's not even seven foot, is he? Bam. Um, no, it's like six, yeah, nine, six ten. They, they've, like Miami, Houston, 
obviously the Warriors to late have been a small ball team and been successful on it. Uh, the Miami Heat, uh, sorry, the Lakers are playing through their front court and doing a good job of it. Yeah, I, I think that this is, situationally it works because, so for example, I'll say this also about the Miami zone, that the, the reason that they do play so much zone and the, the reason that they've drilled it so much is because they don't have the best one-on-one defenders. Yeah, yeah. They're very disciplined, so they, they know when to cover for each other, how to cover for each other and stuff like that. And the same goes for them on the offensive side of the ball. I think, so, actually, um, I'm going to point out, I think they do have the defensive players. They have, I, I mean, we're forgetting, they have Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, and Jimmy Butler, who can... Yeah, but it, it's, like, it's like Iggy can't play big minutes, no, Yeah, example, that's the thing, right? because and, um, the offense they would be giving up if they were playing those, like, Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder over Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow is too much to afford. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, like, again, Jay Crowder is not... He's a very good team defender. He's very intelligent on the defensive side of the ball. But he, you, you cannot put him man-on-man against the elite scorers in the game. He will get torched. So, um, yeah, and I think the same thing goes for them on the offensive side of the ball. So the, the thing that Miami don't really have, especially with Dragic out, is a lot of players that can create their own shot. Mm. Tyler Harrow is improving at that. Duncan Robinson cannot create his own shot. He can get open. He can catch and He's an incredible catch-and-shoot player, but he can't create his own shot. Jimmy Butler... Is, is capable of it. He can create his shot, but he's not but he the greatest shot maker. No, he's not. And he's not very aggressive either. Well, he's not very aggressive in looking for a shot. Until he needs and to then, be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jay Crowder, catch and shoot specialist. Um, Andre Iguodala. Again, th- there's there's not much that he does on his own on the offensive side of the ball these days, except pass the ball around. Um, yeah, they, they, they just don't have... I um, I reckon on it like honestly though that, the Miami Heat are probably the the scariest team next year for the for the for the, for the East. May obviously yeah, there's but, the threat of the Nets, but for mm. a bunch of well for an undrafted second year player for a rookie and another rookie to get finals experience is and you know all already have high quality players outside of those three. Uh, that mm-hmm. that team, I think potentially has the most all ra- well-rounded talent in the East. Some of, yeah. But so we've got, just going back to the, um, the Miami Heat offense real quick, or why the Lakers can play big against Miami, but not against like a team like Houston. Um, what Miami don't have, like, like I said, they, they don't have shot creators. Yeah, so what yeah. that allows the Lakers to do, that they don't need someone that can, or they don't need their whole lineup to be able to defend shot creators or elite shot creators. So they can play someone like Dwight without losing too much on the uh, defensive side of the ball in terms of defending a quick shifty guard or something like that, because the Heat don't really have that in their team. Against Houston, that is a big problem because you might end up having to switch Dwight onto James Harden or Russell Westbrook, which is obviously not going to work. Um... What I think, I think small ball is not actually referring to the height of the players. It's how skilled they are. Yes. If that makes sense. It's, it's more skill ball than small ball. Um, so really quick, really quick. All the players on the small ball lineups can shoot the three or most of them can also be able to, uh, most of them are also able to create their own shot or put the ball on the floor and shoot. So I don't think there's any reason, any need to do predictions on this series. Um, it's over. It, 
at most, I think Miami wins a game. Um, but even that's looking kind of unlikely. Unless, because, look, we've seen in basically every game, every series game one, except against Denver, they uh, almost, the Lakers seem to forget their offense and, um, you know, just play a different style for no reason. So there's there's definitely a chance where they just have an off night and the Miami Heat are able to capitalize on that. They should have capitalized on game two when, uh, what was it, KCP and Danny Green were like, I think it was three of 30 or something. I don't know. Horrible yeah, from three. Some, some, something stupid like that. I think three of 19. Um, and I mean, the Miami Heat, they put up a good, they put up a good fight. 134, 124 is, uh, you know, as close as you can Respectable. get Respectable. Um, Given that they don't have Bam and Dragic. Yeah. So maybe they, they get both those play, players back for game four and just put up enough fight to win one. But again, there's not much reason to predict how this one will go. But I do want to ask, uh, with one team that's come up in the news, so to say, over this week has been uh, one of the teams that was out of the bubble, out of the playoffs entirely for this one, but could be in the running for uh, finals contention next year in the Warriors. Um, They were basically, and I guess you did say that it refers to the skill of the players, but they were basically the, the... uh, origin of the current NBA scene where everyone is trying small ball. Um, yeah, one, one of, of them. And sure. uh, there's been an article by the Golden State of Mind saying that this uh, that they need to change at least improve imp- improve their front court. Um, you you had some interesting thoughts on this one. Why don't you go th- go ahead on that? So the the what I will say is that. Um... So obviously Draymond, let's get this out of the way. Draymond is an incredible defensive player. Wasn't at his, I don't think he was all that engaged this season because he not was only playing was with he mostly, not let's not face engaged, it. But he also had a shoulder injury the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, he obviously wasn't himself this season, but Draymond is Draymond, incredible defensive player. The thing is, the... The Lakers are a walking mismatch for this Golden State Warriors team because they have both LeBron and AD who are both above 6'8", both strong as hell, and can both score inside and out. So what I think, um, why I think Golden State might potentially need to reinforce their front court is purely because the Lakers can take them from inside or probably not outside, but they can take them inside on the offensive side of the ball and they might be able to abuse them because they just don't have enough size on the interior. Draymond is, again, obviously unreal on defense, but that that's just one guy. Um, so Lakers of two. the only reason I think that this uh, isn't as big a deal as I, I feel like some people make it out to be is that the Warriors have never played for switches. Obviously, there has been, yeah. like, when, when KD was on the team, it, they, if they got, like, anyone shorter than maybe 6'6 six, six on him, he, they, they were getting the ball to KD, and that was that. But they weren't... <laughs> they were, it was rare that they would try and force that. It was rather just keep moving... Uh, keep, everyone keep moving, everyone keep moving the ball around. And so what ends up happening is a team that plays, like, the Lakers, where they have one guy on each team... Like Steph, the 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 amount he moves around and the amount of focus on getting him an open shot, 
it will screw with the outside players. And if one of them moves away from one of the other guys on the team, when when, when the starting lineup for the Warriors is looking like uh, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, um, Draymond, and probably Marquis Chris, um, if if Wiggins is left open, he's a, he's still a talented offensive player. I still think he the most important thing that he brings to the team that we haven't had in a lot uh, since obviously KD is that a level of athleticism, um, because. Yep. He like a yeah, vertical yeah, the vertical threat that we like we had with Javelle, but I mean since that like it was obviously just KD and yeah, and Javelle obviously could not play big minutes. Yeah, but Wiggins he's a starter. He's going to be playing the entire game, and if he can at least be both the outside and inside threat that he always, that he proved he can be at the start of the season before he just decided to stop doing that. Well, honestly, he didn't have a bad season, but um, I think he can have a significant role in this in in a series there and i think also if essentially you don't need to move too far away from your game plan is essentially what it, what it comes no. to because the um the houston rockets for a while like they essentially had a game plan at a certain point in uh what, what when was it uh 2016 i believe they had they had a game plan, and then they tried to do what the Warriors. Uh, no, they had a game plan. The Warriors ha- had a game plan, and then they tried to do what the um, Houston Rockets were doing, and it wasn't going well. And so they were like, "Okay, let's just play our game," and it worked. Um, while the matchup, imagine uh, in people's heads, might be rough for the Warriors, um, I still think that uh, with a merchant offense like the wa- Warriors have it can basically open up the Lakers' defense well enough. Possible, yeah. And um, the, the the Lakers' defense with LeBron and AD, it has been elite this season, but um, so keep Danny Green next year. I think KCP is still on the books for next year as well. They, they're good defensive players. On a one Avery year Bradley is also a decent defensive player. Was hmm? Danny Green on a one-year or a two-year? Two, okay. Yeah, it's crazy. Two two years, sixteen mil for Danny Green, <laughs> but um, I won't speak on that. But um, yeah, so they've got a good defensive roster. But uh, as you said, that that Warriors team, once it's clicking, is an absolute nightmare to stop. It is a pain in the ass. And the Lakers, uh, while they are incredibly defensively disciplined, like you, you can you can just see the difference between. You can the Miami Heat series is a perfect example of how disciplined the Lakers are on the defensive side of the ball, and the Heat do take a lot from the Warriors' playbook, which is why I think um, the defensive matchup for the Lakers versus the offensive Golden State um, it'll be interesting to see how that works with much better players than what the Heat have. Yeah, yeah, that that's the major thing for the Heat right now. I think is that it's just a talent situation, right? Like they they're playing. Two rookies and one, again, undrafted second-year player in massive minutes. Oh, I, I, I don't think you can um, disrespect Duncan, my, my dude Duncan Robinson like that, man. He might look like a Sims character, but he, he can shoot. He can shoot, but at the end of the day, he's like he's in his second year in the NBA. He, <laughs> yeah, and he's a, he's a fairly limited offensive player. That's really all he can do. But... Um, um, yeah, like again, like yeah, I said, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how those concepts work against 
a team like Golden State. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only the only real issue that I can see is the Warriors don't really have they've got so they've got Draymond, but they don't have a dude like Bam who can also match up against AD. Well, because AD's got like four or five inches on Draymond as well. And that's why AD's I'm, eaten every single time they played. That's why I'm really interested to see what happens with the second pick. Um, yeah, because you got to go Wiseman, right? You are, we either got to go Wiseman or we, you know, screw a team on a trade and pick up a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which big man could you get? Um, Nikola Jokic. <laughs> Isn't Dwight coming off the books nah, this year? Uh, Dwight is coming off the books, but I think he will want to stay with the Lakers. If I, that's, that's just, uh. Do you guys have cap space? The Lakers? No, no, uh, Warriors. We have we have all the cap space right now. Yeah, because Dwight signed on the minimum this year. Um, I, but it, he, since he's a free yeah. agent, there's no need for us to use the uh, use the second pick to try and get him. That's that would just be someone we sign. No, 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 yeah, but that that's what I mean. Like you could shore up the front court with um, Wiseman and then signing Dwight on a minimum or something like that. We, or okay. you could pick up another guard or a that, forward and then sign Dwight on the minimum anyway. Yeah, I, w- I think signing someone like Dwight would be good, but I'm interested to see whether we instead go for a, for another wing player. I, I feel like a lot of people are forgetting the fact that Eric Pascal was one of the top rookies this year. Um, yeah, he played pretty, He played well. He played well. He's on the all-rookie first team, wasn't he? Yep, and we've also got, uh, we've got Andrew Wiggins, we've got Draymond Green, we've got Kevon Looney. Again, I... <laughs> I'm just interested. Kevin to see, with an O. I'm just interested to see what happens. Honestly, I have no idea what the Lake, the Warriors will do. Um, but it's it's just a. I'm very happy that the Warriors are in this position. Anyway, we've taken very much away from the Lakers right now, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna say we can end this here. Um, right after some Weasley malnourishment. Um, and this week's question is: What's a long-term decision you've made that you regretted from the beginning? So something that you a decision my post grad. That... <laughs> 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 yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I've started it. I'm just going. Oh fuck! This is taking all my free time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, what about you, Praddy? Uh man, you had that ready right away. Okay. Uh as I'm soon as you said it. At... um look obviously i could say my trip to japan i've I've used that for a lot of answers um no no you 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 can't use that again man come on yeah uh probably um looking into saving for a house it like i'm sure i won't regret it like way down the line but it just like restricts me so much in terms of like what i can do with my money (laughs) <laughs> literally nearly yeah. every dollar of it has to go to savings um and like i'm left with like maybe i don't know 50 bucks <laughs> no but like look at it this way though like, when, yeah, no. when you're what, saving what, for when, a when when i do eventually get it i'll be i'll be like swimming mm. in it i'll be fine but like the process to get that i'm regretting that from the beginning <laughs> yeah it's really hard and then um also well, one thing you got to do as well, make make sure you, um, and this is a personal finance thing for most of our listeners, 
when you buy a house in Australia, you're, as I'm pretty sure it is in the US too, your student debt, which is called um, hex debt for us, actually does count against you when you're actually looking to buy a house. Fantastic. So that, that's something to consider as well. You, yes. you might want to make some payments on that as well. Yeah. But like, I mean, if you've got a house before you're 30, if you own a house before you're 30 years old, you're doing really well financially, <laughs> as long as that house keeps appreciating yes. value. Uh, with that, guys, <laughs> actually, uh, first I'll do all the shouts, uh, shout outs. Uh, we are finished with another, uh, another fantastic episode of the official NBA Beancast. So if you would like to hit us up on any of our social media, follow us on Instagram or on Twitter. We're also on YouTube, but unfortunately this one doesn't have video. Um, Thank you for listening to another episode. And also, did you know that in Australia, we call Dust Devils Willy Willies? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Take care, and guys. And I miss you. And now I wonder if I could fall into the sky. Do you think time when pass me by Cause you know I'd walk a thousand miles If I could just